It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Welcome into the Super Sunday Night edition of Heat Wave Sports right here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Brian with you here in Las Vegas. My co-host, as always, New York City's own Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. And we're going to get you, as the as the lead-in said, sit back, relax, take you up to the midnight hour, and get you one day closer to the big event on Thursday. Tommy, a interesting day in the NFL, and uh, what a way to cap it off tonight. Just a fun, fun game to watch. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I said, I texted it to you, and I said, yeah, you know, Tim, I don't really know how Pittsburgh is even in this game. <laughs> Forget about, you know, maybe winning. It was a, uh, I had Josh Taylor on this morning on Sports Garden Network uh, on the Sports Map radio show, and, and Josh Taylor's from CBS Pittsburgh, and we talked about it. And usually Josh is a very upbeat guy, very, uh, you know, gung-ho about uh, all things Pittsburgh. And you know, he laid it out this morning. Listen, Joe Hayden's out. Minka Fitzpatrick is out. You know, Watt is out. Ben Roethlisberger is still banged up. Like, you know, he, he really said, I, I don't really think that they have a chance today. I mean, that was paraphrasing from him. I didn't think they had a chance either. Now, I wasn't go out going to go out there and make a bet on the game. I laid off of it. But that's what's weird about the Steelers is that, they are so well coached, so well coached that they can put up a game like this and scare a team like the Chargers, where the Chargers should have dominated, should have dominated. And we got treated to just an explosion, offensive explosion from all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you mentioned just the injuries that kept the Stars out in Pittsburgh. The, the, our two teams battled today, this afternoon, Tommy, injuries on the Bear defense. Uh, you saw your quarterback, Josh Fields, go out. Lamar Jackson doesn't play. Hollywood Brown doesn't play on the Ravens side. So we're going to get into all that. We're going to look at the playoff picture. We're going to get you previews for Thursday, Thursday's games. There's three of them. We're going to get you early previews for that. And if there's a little time left, I want to talk a little baseball with Tommy as the free agent season has opened up. We've already seen a couple names move. We'll, we'll talk about that. And, of course, Shohei Otani wins the MVP. We'll get Tom's final thoughts on that, even though if you've been listening to the show, which I know you have, we kind of called it earlier in the summer that maybe this uh, should have went a different way. We'll get into all that tonight, so so hang out, and we'll get you ready for Turkey Day. And I guess before we even start, Tom, I, I ask you every year. I'm sure it's going to be the same answer for, for the people that haven't listened before or, or may have forgotten. What is the Barton tradition for Thanksgiving? Oh, wow. I can't believe you're asking this year. Uh, this is my favorite holiday. Uh, you know what? Look, look, St. Patrick's Day really is, but... Um, St. Patrick's Day it sometimes falls on the first day of March Madness, but generally speaking, this is my my second favorite holiday, if not my favorite. So I love it. Usually, you know, we go to my mother's house. My mom is one of those uh, cooks that believes that an army of twenty five people are going to walk in the door at any time. You know, so she she cooks two turkeys. There's uh, fifteen you know different kind of spread. I used to always play football. And do the turkey day stuff. I'm getting a little older now, so we'll throw it around. I'm not going to go full out. And it was always a relaxing day. This year, we're having it at my mom's new house. 
um, we're having, if she got a bigger house, she didn't downsize, she upsized, she got a bigger house and we're having my cousins over and you go, okay, that's no problem. My cousins, but my cousins who I, I absolutely adore the family, they have 13 children that are all between the ages of now, uh, about 20 and 40. So now they have their kids. There's going to be about 55 people at my mother's house on Thanksgiving. So my relaxing watch football eat turkey holiday has turned into like the Griswold's family Thanksgiving. <laughs> or, or the uh, what was the movie in the was it the 80s or 90s Parenthood when yes. they all came over? <laughs> it's going to be chaos. We're embracing the chaos, but it is yeah. going to be absolute chaos. I, it's, it's the first time we're doing it. All I know is I'm going uh, with my Bears jersey. I'm going to catch that early game and then just let the chaos kind of ensue. Uh, what about you, Tim? Uh, same thing, but not on that level, obviously. We, we actually do it at, at, at my house, and, and the, uh, the ladies cook. The dudes watch football and eat, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a grand old time. But probably... To your 50, I'd say we, we touch about 15, though. So uh, not as big, but still. You know, you know, it's funny you said the ladies cook. I'm, I've always uh, been somebody that I give, I cook a turkey and we give a meal out to, to the, the church and the, the needy people and whatnot. This is the first year I'm not cooking a, a turkey because of, um, you know, the COVID restrictions and whatnot. The church uh, over by me that my son went to uh, nursery school at and, you know, my daughter doesn't go there because they won't allow it. So, you know, this first year I'm not actually cooking a turkey. I enjoy it. I'll cook a turkey during the year. I absolutely love turkey. People talk about sides. Forget about it. I'm a turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, little cranberry sauce. But if you don't have cranberry sauce and, and you know, like a biscuit, but if you don't have any of that, I'll eat just a turkey. I will make turkey during the year. I love it. I, I based it. I, I am all into it. This is the first year I'm not making a turkey. And I said to my mom, mom, we got like 55 people coming. You want me to just throw a turkey in my in my oven? My mom lives literally like two blocks away. I said, I'll just throw a turkey in my oven and walk it over if I have to. She said, no, you don't need to. Tim, I think I'm going to secretly make myself a turkey here. And for everybody listening, I was being sexist in no way. Trust me. The, oh, no, the gentleman that... no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it didn't come across like that, Tim. You definitely don't want the gentleman that will be at my house cooking food for you anyway. So unless you want salmonella, I mean, let's, let's be real. About I enjoy – I really do. I really enjoy cooking. You know what it is, though? I enjoy cooking that people will, that will appreciate the meal, you know. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll cook all day long. But sometimes you get the people that you cook six, seven, eight hours and they're like – they gobble it down. Oh, yeah, that was good. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, appreciate it. I need a fine appreciation for this. Tom, I noticed you didn't say anything about green beans touching the plate or, or anything like that. So, Oh, you, you, you know I don't eat vegetables. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> right, now, right. My wife is making six trays of green bean casserole. That's her a contribution to the meal. Six trays, Tim, of green bean casserole. Yeesh. I won't eat it, but she's making that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't do vegetables. It's just not not a thing that me and, me and vegetables never really got along. Can we just say that? <laughs> well, you know, I'll be checking with you, checking in with you on Thursday. We got we got games going on, and we'll we'll preview those here in a minute. It's kind of recap week eleven, and we usually don't go back to Thursday, but I, I wanted to touch on this game first because the New England Patriots sit alone in the AFC East at the top of the division now, seven and four. A twenty-five nothing shutout of the Atlanta Falcons on the road, and not only is not only is New England five and zero on the road, Tom, five of their seven wins on the road. Not only did we kind of prepare everybody 
few weeks back when we said, isn't Bill Belichick, isn't that defense starting to come alive? They were downright nasty Thursday in that in that win. Five in a row, and they are on top of the AFC East. You know, it's pretty funny because you, I'm so glad you went to the defense because the conversation is all Mac Jones. Oh, Mac Jones, rookie of the year. Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady. Mac Jones is this. Mac Jones. It's all Mac Jones conversation. That's all anyone's having. This is the defense. This is what Bill won with Brady the first time. This is how he won. He won with dominated run, run game and just good defense. And we saw this coming. The last couple of drafts, what, what happened? They went out there. They targeted defensive players. And they said, we're going to go out there and we're going to target these defensive players. Then they went out in free agency. And while Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith got all of the accolades, oh, here we go. They're going to run the, the duo uh, you know, tight end again. Me and you are sitting there going, Judon's coming over there, man. Oh, oh, that's pretty big. And he, right now, could be Defensive Player of the Year, if you really break it down. Bill Belichick took a year to kind of reassess himself. And he said, i got to build this team the way that I want to. And guess what, guys? He did. This is the Bill Belichick model that has worked. Now, you add a Tom Brady with it, Bill Belichick played to his strengths. But if you secretly sat down Bill Belichick and said, what kind of team do you want? You know, if he built a team on Madden, let's say, this is the team that he would want. I think he's re-energized him. I think he likes football again because it's a challenge now. He has his type of team, his type of players, his type of situation, and they are succeeding on every level. We remember Tom Brady as the greatest of all time, but go back to the Rams Super Bowl, Tim. That Rams Super Bowl, Tom Brady was being called in print right before the Super Bowl, a game manager. That's what Brady was. Well, Mac Jones is doing the same thing, and that's where the comparisons end. I will not compare Mac Jones to Tom Brady other than to say, it reminds me of a young Tom Brady, where they're both just not losing the game. Run the ball, run it effectively, hit the short passes, but let the defense just rule, and that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, and we're, we're not even saying, you look, Buffalo's very good. They're very good, and they, they probably will win the division. But today, they laid an egg on, on their home field. It's like the second time in, what, three or four weeks, Tommy, they've looked absolutely lost out there, just trounced 41-15 in a game that was in their environment against a team that plays indoors, and they were out of this one early. This game was over at halftime. That's the thing. you know. I've, I've said this about Lamar Jackson, who proved me wrong this year, and I've said this about the Baltimore Ravens, who have proved me wrong this year. But this is what I worry about the Patriots, okay? Uh, when they're in their wheelhouse, Tim, when they had a lead, when they want to play the running ball, running running game, and they want to play ball where, okay, we're just going to kind of eat the clock here. We're going to play good defense. I don't know if there's a team that can stop them. I, and I'm being dead serious. I don't think that there's a team in the AFC that can stop them. But, Tim, I, I, the one question I have about this Patriots team, can they come back? Can they get into those shootouts? Because you might have to. You know, you look at a team like Buffalo, and we'll get into their problems right now, but a team like Buffalo, you go into that game thinking, look, I got to score 27 points tonight. You go into a healthy Chiefs team, and they're starting to look like they're a healthy team, and you go, I got to put up 27, 28 points tonight. I might have to hit 30. It, you know, you get into these kind of, even a, look, even a, a team that you're turning around in your Ravens right now. Right, I got to hit 27, 30 points. Bill doesn't like games like that, but sometimes you have to adjust. I still worry. 
I still question that. And I don't question Mac Jones. And I don't question necessarily Bill. I question who's the receiver that's going to step up. Because you have to have someone to be the guy. You have to have somebody. Look, as good as Tyreek Hill is, it's Travis Kelsey. You have to have somebody where on a 30-10, you know, you've got to convert. On a 3rd-7, you, you need that play. Who's that guy for New England? I don't think they have it. And that's the one concern where everyone's going, oh, you know what, they can win the AFC. Yeah, they can. But I need to see that guy step up. It's not, you know, Kendrick Bourne. And it's not, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers. Look, they're nice players. They're, they don't have that guy. Even when Tom Brady, you know, was banged up and, and you had all kinds of offensive issues, James White was the guy, right? I mean, James White turned around and became that guy. I'm not saying he's got to be a premier name. But you need the guy that you know everyone everyone in the, in the stadium knows is getting the ball, and he still is able to make that catch. That you need in the playoffs, Tim. That's where I'm worried about this. And I, I, I also look at this and people go, oh, you know what? They're going to win the division. Tim, I'll take the bet right now that the Bills still win this division. I still think the Bills are the better team. I still think that the schedules favor the Bills at the end here. But when you're talking about long-term, Patriots are in a good spot. But I worry about that guy. Who's going to step up and be the man? 100% agree. You just said the teams. If you have that guy when you need a big play in KC, whether it's Hill or Kelsey, in Baltimore, Brown or Andrews becomes that guy, right? Buffalo, Diggs, even Dawson Knox to become become the, the guy that, that uh, Josh Allen can rely on on third down situations. I don't know who that guy is in New England. And uh, you're right, if they get in a shootout... Uh, you know, it doesn't favor them. That that's that's the problem. And yes, that defense is awesome right now. But let's be real, right, Tom? It's not an '85 Bears or 2000 Ravens defense that can carry you to a Super Bowl. That's that's where they're at. But uh, at seven wins, their playoff chances are looking pretty good right now. They got to just continue the momentum. And, and you know what? The schedule may not be a, a favorable to them coming up late in later weeks. But right now, they look good. Well, Tim, our buddy Jose Volante before the year called the division, I said that the Patriots were making the playoffs. And I thought I was going out on the ledge, right? I, I'm still sticking with that. I'm talking about the playoffs now, Tim, because that's what they warrant, playoff conversation, you know? And when I am poking holes in them, it's just because people are starting to get a little bit excited about the Patriots and I want to kind of pull the reins back. But with that said, every team in the league has problems. Every single team has bad losses on their schedule. I mean, Buffalo can't run the ball, right? The, the Baltimore Ravens can't protect the deep pass. Kansas City is a mess defensively at times. The Tennessee Titans, look at what they were today. And I told you that they were frauds the entire season. They were frauds. They, there's a lot of problems with a lot of teams out there. So the Patriots not having, you know, that one guy and being the man, it's okay right now. Because every team in the league has some bad loss on their record and some problem that we could all point to and say, okay, that's a serious issue. And the Patriots are exactly the same. They are that team that you go, okay, that could be an issue, but look at where it is right now. So Buffalo goes out today at home. Jonathan Taylor runs crazy on them, 185 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. He added another one through, uh, through the air. What's up with the Bills, Tom? This is like I said, this is the second time in the in the month that they just went out there and looked absolutely terrible. They did look terrible. And you know, it's different terribles, which this is shocking to me. You know, on the show this morning I, I went over it and I said, Look, the Bills might lose, but the one thing I'm confident in is their defense. They were the number one. 
statistical de- defense in the league. They were number one against the rush. They were number one against the uh, at rushing the passer. They were number one at point differential, number one at takeaways, number one at uh, yards differential. They were the best statistical defense in the NFL, and they got crushed today. So I can overlook a Jacksonville loss. You know, I, I can. Look, that Jacksonville loss, Buffalo outgained them. That Jacksonville loss, Jacksonville didn't score a touchdown, right? I mean, it, the, the defense still did its job. You go out there and you look at against Tennessee. You know, Derrick Henry had a great day. Other than that, they just were able to kind of uh, fall a yard short. You can make excuses. Today, there's no excuse. What you can say is this. The Buffalo Bills are still the best defense in the NFL, but they have some kryptonite. And what is the kryptonite? They're the best rush defense in the NFL, Tim. But the kryptonite is Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry ran wild on them. So if you are an elite, elite running back, which those two are, you got a chance to run on them. And you have to run. This is the thing about the Bills. They are the number one team in the country right now at at rushing the passer. They get after the quarterback. So how do you alleviate that? Well, you have to run the ball. Most of these teams give away the run early because they can't continue it. The Buffalo Bills shut down the run early. Then you have to pass. They put you in a passing situation, and they get after you as good as anybody else in the league. That is what the Buffalo Bills do. But if you watch that game today, Tim, and I'm not making excuses the Bills got housed. But if you got that, watch that game today and you're a Buffalo fan, you can't be all that upset with what you watched. This is a game where the Buffalo Bills on multiple occasions missed tackles. I mean, that's what they did. This was a missed tackle, just awful, awful game. But they were in position. There was a specific play where I thought Buffalo was going to try to kind of get back into it. And Carson Wentz was sacked. I mean, he was just key. They had two guys on top of him, and he ducked underneath it and ran it for about 17 yards up the middle. That's not going to happen consistently. That's not something that I think you look at and you go, that's a consistent problem. I'm real interested to see how this team looks against the Saints on Thursday. Because Thursday night, this is a Saints team that offensively is challenged. This is a Saints team that defensively is very good. And the Bills are sitting here. The Bills are, what, four, four and a half point favorite opening it up. This is a absolute must bounce back game. The problem is, there's only a couple of days to kind of bounce back. And it's on the road, and it's at Thanksgiving, and it's against a good defense. I'm going to be watching this game. If the Buffalo, and I keep saying, I even said it this morning, I'm not panicking. After the Jacksonville game, I said, I'm not panicking. Everyone's throwing off the Buffalo. I still think they're the most talented team in the league. I still think that they're going to the Super Bowl. I still think they can win the Super Bowl. I still believe that today, Tim. But if they lose Thursday, my all of a sudden, my Buffalo just blind backing, I'm going to jump off of that. And you know what? Not even if they lose. They better win and win convincingly in that game. We need to see the bounce back here. And here come the Colts, Tom. They've won five of six, three in a row. Granted, two of them were against bottom-feeding teams, but a great effort today. And what what a guy Jonathan Taylor has really stepped into the, the spotlight. I know you've been calling it for, for two years now, Tom. And even in the Barton household, Abby's sitting pretty this week with with Jonathan Taylor on her fantasy team. But Colts, you called the, you said they would win the division, and here they are. That opportunity is, is making itself known right now. And, Tim, if you listen to the Sports Garden Network, if you listen to this network, if you listen to uh, anything that I've done, okay, at TomBartonSports.com, anywhere, I said 
buy on the Colts after the slow start. I told you in the preseason they were going to get off to a slow start and then buy on the Colts because the Colts' schedule is just weak. And they're also a team that, if you remember, let's go way back to how they started the year. Carson Wentz was injured. Uh, Quentin Nelson was not playing. Kelly was banged up. Their offensive line had all kinds of problems. Their receivers were banged up. Remember way back when, when all of that was going on? You know, a lot of people forget that. And they have young defensive players that you're just going to get better as the course of the year goes on. I am all over the Colts, but I will tell you this. I think it's too far of a road to go for them to win this division. I really do. I know that people want to push them back into it. It would take generally a complete collapse here, you know, by Tennessee. It would take an absolute just nightmare second half here for Tennessee. I mean, can it happen? Sure. I don't expect it to. But I do think the Colts become that team that goes into the playoffs that nobody wants to play. I think that they become that team where if I'm putting you right now, if we had to play a game, you know, let's just say this weekend and it's the playoffs and the Colts are against Baltimore, I might be leaning the Colts. Colts are against, you know, Pittsburgh or Cleveland or Cincinnati. I'm taking the Colts. Colts are against, uh, you know, Kansas City right now. Listen, they can't stop the run. I might take the Colts. The Chargers, I might take the Colts. So you start going through Tennessee. I'm taking the Colts all day. So the Buffalo Bills, look at what they just did to them. Are we back to Colts New England? Are we back to what we were just talking about? And in that case, I almost have to take the Colts. Indianapolis right now might have to squeak into a wild card, but Indianapolis is the most dangerous AFC team where I stand right now. So what about our favorite word on Sunday night, the overreaction? And you look at this line for next week's game. Tampa at Indianapolis, so the Colts will be on their own field. Tampa plays tomorrow night. The Bucks, two and a half, three point favorite opening line. I would say this: the Tampa Bay Bucks might be a level four play for me. The one thing that we absolutely know is that Carson Wentz cannot win games for you. Now he cannot lose games for you, but he can't win games for you. Jonathan Taylor just went up against the number one rushing defense in the league, but I think we all know. Tampa Bay is really the best rushing defense. The one thing you have to do to beat Tampa is you have to throw the ball. You cannot run on them. Devin White, now Levante David is back in being healthy. Uh, They are going to shut down Jonathan Taylor or at least limit him somewhat. And Carson Wentz to outduel Tom Brady. It's just not something I expect to happen. I also think that this is the kind of uh, game where you look at it and you go, okay, Tampa Bay is going to have to sort of turn that corner here. Tampa Bay is going to have to turn the corner and start going, okay, it's time for some serious football. We're in danger of potentially losing this division. We're in danger of definitely losing the number one overall seed. This is a team that had a prop bet out there before the year, Tim, to not lose a game all year. And they're in some danger. And you start to go, okay, who's coming back, right? Godwin uh, has been backed up a little bit. Oh, he's coming back and he's going to be healthy. Gronk will probably be back next week. Oh, okay, here you go. All of a sudden, you had your bye week. You had your extra rest. Oh, well, you know what? We're going to see a lot of that tomorrow night. But I think that the formula is there. Like you said, overreaction. I expect people to pound the Colts next week. And I'm looking back, and I'm taking Tampa. And depending on how Tampa Bay performs tomorrow night, we'll have no impact. If Tampa Bay goes out there and they throw up an egg, I like Tampa Bay even more, <laughs> okay? But you know that that line is going to be favorable. So, yeah, I, I think I absolutely love Tampa. I think that they are. And that's why I mentioned the AFC teams. Everyone's looking at the AFC and how good it is. I think that the NFC is head and shoulders more playoff ready and more game ready. 
This is going to be big game, and I just don't think that the Colts, even at home, are going to come out and win this one. Our two teams battled this afternoon, Tommy, in Chicago. The Baltimore Ravens squeak out a 16-13 win over Chicago to move to 7-3 and three on the season. That's the number two seed right now in the AFC. This game saw three lead changes in the final four minutes, including Chicago, Tom. And, yes, I know three top defensive stars out. Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown out for Baltimore. The offensive side of it, so Tyler Huntley was the kid today. He went down the field on your Bears in about 30 seconds at the end of that game to win it. Yeah, look, you, you know, you could say, well, Khalil Mack, he's out, and he's out for the season. True. Uh, Hakeem Hicks out. Yeah, he's banged up and missing a lot of the season. And you look at, you know, Jackson out. It, yeah, that's all fine. But the Bears defense, it's a little fraudulent. They get a lot of turnovers. They get a lot of sacks. Uh, they give up a lot of, of big plays like you did see. <clears throat> Chicago's in a position here where – I will never root against my team. I don't do that, okay? But this is one of those games where I'm going, all right, it's Baltimore. It's at home. It's a backup quarterback. Bears are doing nothing this year anyway. Maybe this is a good loss because do you know what was being chanted and the raining down on the stadium here in the fourth quarter? And fire after the, coach, the game, right? fire coach. Nagy. Fire Nagy. And, and I think that we realize what needs to be done. You know, I I don't know if there's a good time to ever fire a coach with a rookie quarterback um, because you don't want to have to get into his head in a new developmental situation. Justin Fields left this game and Andy Dalton came in. And Justin Fields is, um, you know, a guy that you know he's the future of your organization. If there's ever a week, Tim, and Matt Nagy just gets so lucky because it's Thanksgiving, but if there was ever a week to fire a coach in season with a rookie quarterback, it's this week. You do this. This is an embarrassing loss, an embarrassing loss at home. Everyone had given up on Nagy weeks ago anyway. So now all of a sudden, here you go. And, and the one reason that I continue to say you don't fire a guy during the season is because you don't want Justin Fields kind of getting the garbage in his head for another head coach. And then at the end of the year, they're going to hire another guy. But if Justin Fields is out for a couple of weeks, okay, then what difference does it make anyway? Right? If Justin Fields is out, who cares? This is an inept organization right now. Go out there and make the fix. I don't think that Matt Nagy should be on the sidelines for Thanksgiving. And if they lose that game, and it's only three-point spread, he certainly can't be on the sidelines the, the next week. Right now, this is a, a dead man walking on the sidelines, and everyone seems to know it. And guess what? So do the players. And that is one of the reasons why I think at the end of the game, me and you were watching, and I, I said, you know, Bears, Bears players kind of just laying down now. They don't want to save Matt, Matt Nagy's job. So a lot of credit to the Baltimore Ravens. Look, that's a gutsy, gritty win and all the other kind of things that you say. Patrick Queen made a fantastic play late in that game, by the way. This, this kid's a player. We've been talking about him for a while. But overall, when you're looking at uh, you know Baltimore, I still think that I have some worries. I have some concerns about this Baltimore team. But you couldn't really talk about anything today because they are the team, and I didn't mention it this morning. I think that they are the team in the league that after Tom Brady, he's the most valuable player to his team. You can win if Patrick Mahomes went down. I can see the Chiefs with the weapons still winning games. If Tom Brady goes down, I think Tampa Bay 
uh, finishes under 500. If Lamar Jackson goes down, uh, Baltimore Ravens aren't even sniffing a playoff. So Lamar Jackson wasn't in there today. I know you're talking about Hollywood Brown. You can get over that. Lamar Jackson's not in there. I can't make an assessment of what this team is moving forward, but they got a nice win, and it's a win that might help both of us because, you know what, maybe Nagy will be out of town now. <laughs> yeah. Look, the, the game plan was was modified for Huntley. There's no doubt about it, and I, I guess you could say he performed all right, right, 220 yards through the air. I'll tell you what, he, what, what I noticed in the game, though, is that it's something that you and I discuss week after week, why Mark Andrews isn't that guy every weekend. He found his safety cushion there, especially in the second half. He went to the guy that was getting him, getting him the big plays. Andrews finished with eight catches, 73 yards only, but, you know, a few of those were big first down plays that moved the ball, and then they just they ran. You know, no Jackson, that's all right. They have a three-headed monster back there, and they ran for 120 yards on the Bears. So is a modified game plan. Look, they were lucky to win. There's no doubt about it. But you, you do, like you said, you do what you got to do because it's evident when Lamar Jackson's not around, it's a completely different team. Yeah, and look, you know, this was a, a game where it could have had a big shakeup. The Steelers came real close to winning that game, right? Cleveland did win their game. Cincinnati won their game. And Baltimore could have been in a position where they were looking up at teams. They were looking up at teams. Why? Because Lamar Jackson was out of the game. Instead, this shows a little bit of that that extra grit and that extra, you know, hey, you know what? We've got a game in hand that we shouldn't have won. We shouldn't have won because our star quarterback was out. We shouldn't have won. We did win, though. And now we got a week to kind of get healthy. Lamar Jackson, it wasn't COVID-related. He was just sick. Uh, I've heard flu. I've heard different symptoms, whatever. He'll be back by next week. And you look at that and you go, hey, you know what? He actually got kind of a rest. In the grand scheme of things, this is a 17-game season, Tim, right? He did kind of get a little bit of a reprieve here and a little bit of rest. Even though he was sick, his body didn't take the beating this week. That might be a good thing long term. Next Sunday, Cleveland-Baltimore will match up in Baltimore. And the Browns squeeze by Detroit today, 13-10. to Four and a half opening line, Baltimore home. Yeah, look, I have no faith in Baltimore. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, in Cleveland right now. The, the Ravens are a hard team to kind of pinpoint. They're coming off a bad loss, and now you got to evaluate them without Lamar Jackson. I get it. Um, but the Cleveland Browns are not that hard to pinpoint. They can run the ball, but everybody knows it's coming. Baker Mayfield is clearly hurt. He's limited at what he's doing back there. As a matter of fact, Jarvis Landry was taking snaps, and they had better offensive success when he was doing it. As far as the defense goes, the defense is playing well, but it seems like they're a spark defense. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett today had two tackles against the Lions, the Lions defense, I'm sorry, the Lions offense that was missing two offensive linemen. He was going up against Taylor Decker's backup and he couldn't produce a sack today. You know, this is the kind of things that the game within the game that nobody pays attention to. Cleveland got a nice win. They held the Lions to only 10 points. Okay. The starting quarterback for the Lions only passed for 78 yards. All right. So, you know what? It was a lot of running. Well, then why wouldn't Miles Garrett kind of switch his game plan and say, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go after the passer because they're not passing it a lot, but I'm going to rack up these tackles. No, he doesn't do that. And I think that a lot of the Cleveland defense it gets into those kind of positions. I know Josh Johnson's very good, but he gets into those kind of positions where I'm going to play my game no matter how this other team plays their game. And when you're up against Baltimore, you don't know what they're going to throw at you. I mean, literally, either throw at you or are they going to run at you? Is Andrews going to be the guy tonight or is it going to be Brown? Or are they going to run? Or are they going to, you know, option with Jackson? Uh, Baltimore shows so many looks that I just don't think that Cleveland's defense is going to be able to handle this. And I think Cleveland's defense is very good. 
but they're good at what they do. There are certain matchups that just don't favor them, and this Baltimore team should give them fits. Time for the first time out here on a Sunday night when we come back more Week 11 in the NFL, including your Las Vegas Raiders at home today. Uh, they laid the proverbial egg as well, and is it that time for the Raider collapse? We'll talk about that and more. It's Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Had a big NFC North matchup this morning as we saw Green Bay head to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And another good one, Tommy, exciting football game that saw the Vikings come down to the last play, kick a field goal to win it 34-31. Important win for Minnesota, I'd say, is is getting healthy and trying to stay alive in in the playoff chase. This is a big win over a division rival. And how good is Justin Jefferson, man? Oh, yeah, and you know what? He should have had another touchdown <laughs> that, that was uh, reviewed, and he was down on the one-yard line. Guy just gets separation, and you know it's going to him, and he just gets massive separation. I think this game, you have to break it down. You you could talk about the Minnesota. I think Minnesota is just vastly underrated at this point. They are the only team in the NFL that had a touchdown or more lead in every single game this year, and every single one of their losses, Tim, were by a touchdown or less. You could argue that, and I'm sure they would be arguing, you could argue that that they would be undefeated. They could be undefeated. A bounce here, a bounce there, right? I mean, that's how they're looking at their team. So they are vastly underrated. But I also think that the Packers are vastly overrated. You know, everybody was talking about the Packers and what they're doing. Oh, man, look at this. You know, I I didn't see it. It's not that I'm an anti-Packers guy, but I didn't see that defense being a top-five defense. And statistically, they were. But did you really believe that that was going to continue without their number one cornerback and their number one pass rusher? No, eventually the loss of Jair Alexander and the loss of Harris, it was going to, uh, Smith, I'm sorry, it was going to catch up to them, right? And it was going to catch up to them in, in ways where people know what LaFleur is going out there and what he's going to go do and what LaFleur is going to go out there and, and kind of game plan against. And guess what? Zimmer knows exactly that, and he's going to get burned. Uh, this is a Green Bay team. And got off the field, and Aaron Rodgers made up a fake little ailment. Oh, I'm so hurt. Oh, I'm so injured, right? Um, because, well, what other excuse can you use? Look, he didn't look injured out there, right? He was flinging the ball all over. What I found very weird is that they decided not to go to A.J. Dillon. And A.J. Dillon has been absolutely dominating, but he's the complimentary uh, to, to Jones. Was this a game plan? against Minnesota to just throw the ball all day, which, okay, you know what? If you come in like that with a game plan, I'm not going to get down on you. you got Aaron Rodgers. But I found like Green Bay early on in this game, late in this game, it was Minnesota, but early on Green Bay kind of hurt themselves. What I will say is I don't think many people understand how good of a season Kirk Cousins is having. And Kirk Cousins is a guy that we all know his problems in prime time. And we all kind of laugh at, oh, you know what? Kirk Cousins is is a guy that's just holding down the job. But last year, Kirk Cousins was a guy that you could argue should have gotten MVP votes, okay? Not to win the thing, but look at what he did last year. And now, at age 33, he's having another one of these seasons. And let me just give you the numbers here because we are talking about it, right? Last year, Kirk Cousins threw for 4,265 yards, okay? 35 touchdowns, Tim, to 13 picks. This year, with all the conversation, no one's going to throw this guy in the MVP race. He already has 2,500, 2,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions coming in. 
I mean, that, that, that's what you're looking at with Kirk Cousins. He's on pace for, you know, we're talking about another 4,500-yard season right around there. He's on pace for, you know, something along the lines of 30, 35 touchdowns. I mean, he's got two picks, man. You know, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is doing what they ask him to do. And you can tell me about his limitations, and you can tell me about he doesn't win in prime time, and you can tell me a lot of this is Justin Jefferson and Thielen, and it is, Tim. It's all of those things are true. But can it simultaneously be true that he works really well with this offense, that he's the guy that absolutely just fits this offense as well? Perfect example would be Mahomes has weapons just like Cousins does, right? And Mahomes gets all the pub. Yeah, you know, look, at 33 years old, I think we know what Kirk Cousins is. Um, but you see games like this, and you go, I think I think there's more. I think there's more to this Vikings team. I think that there's more to uh, Kirk Cousins and himself. And this could be the year where, you know, they win a playoff game or two. Well, you're right. When you look at 5-5, five and five, it's misleading because I believe three of those five losses were last possession losses. So... Uh, it's a completely different situation when you're if you're sitting at eight and two, not five and five. But you're right, they are uh, they're dangerous. They, they are dangerous. And if you want to, if Danell if Danell Hunter was back in this, uh, you know, and he was healthy because he's out for the season, I, I think he's one of the best defensive players in the league. If he was healthy, Tim, I would tell you that Minnesota, look, they're not as good as Tampa in the NFC. They're not as good as Dallas. And that's where I stop. I, I, this is no disrespect for the Cardinals. I just don't believe in the Cardinals right now. Uh, I, I think that they are on par with the Rams. I think they're on par with Green Bay. I think they're on par with anybody else that you want to throw in that conversation. And, and again, Minnesota is one of those teams where it, it's not quite like the Colts, but you know they could beat you through the air. You know they could run with Dalvin Cook on you. And you look at them and you go, man, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. You Do you think that you know a team like the Cardinals – want to take on Minnesota in the first round? Do you think that a team like, you know, the, the Rams, they want to see Minnesota in the first round? Absolutely not. Well, let's jump ahead to next Sunday. Those Vikings will be on the road to take on the resurgent San Francisco 49ers, Tom. They beat the Rams last week. Uh, they shellacked the Jaguars today on the road. So that game opens a field goal favorite 49ers at home. You know, I don't believe in the Ram, in, in the Niners, man. I just don't believe in this team. But look, I didn't believe in them today, and they proved me wrong. So I did like them on Monday night. I, I, that was a situational spot. This is, again, a situational spot where I'm going to have a hard time picking this game. I think that Minnesota is coming off a big emotional win. Uh, they are at home. The way that the game ended, it was against Rodgers. It was against Green Bay. And you look at San Francisco. Now they got to fly all the way back. The, the travel has got to get to them. I'm shocked at what San Francisco did today. I'm shocked at how well they played. I know it was the Jaguars, but I'm shocked at that. So maybe San Francisco has turned the corner. Maybe they have corrected things. But I think i got to look at Minnesota here. And the Packers back home as well. The Rams come to town. Rams on a bye this week, Tom. So Rams off rest. Head to Lambeau to play in that whatever that weather situation is going to be. The Packers open a two-point favorite. I think you got to know the status of Stafford because he has not looked healthy. You know, he hasn't looked himself sure, but he hasn't looked healthy either. I, this is the Rams are nothing for me, right? I mean, they're coming off of a bye week. They are presumably getting healthy. They're coming off of a bad loss 
uh, they are. There's a lot of reasons to like him. And then you got to know about Rodgers and his foot injury. You know, I don't think it's his foot is 100% healthy. But I certainly, you know, I heard all week, oh, no, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Even though he was limited in practice, but I'll be fine. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, he, he has a bad game. And what is the conversation? Oh, my foot's worse. Oh, it's the worst thing he ever had. Yeah. I want to know exactly what the reality is. So I think you have to know about Rodgers and you have to know about Stafford before you go in. Look, Matthew Stafford, it, it, look, people going, oh, yeah, he's the MVP. This was one of the reasons why I didn't touch the Rams for the Super Bowl prop play. This is one of the reasons why I told you guys in the offseason that the Rams were getting overvalued because Matthew Stafford is not that guy. He's banged up. He's limited. He doesn't beat good teams. It's hard to put your money on him going on the road in Lambeau, with, especially with a bad back. Follow these scores, Tom. 23-16, 41-14, 32-13. That's the Raiders the last three games. All losses. And here come the Raiders. Here we go. 5-5 five and five now after today's 32-13 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals on, the, on their home field right here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. They've given up in just the last two weeks 36 points a game, and they're averaging in their last three games just 14.5 points. Here we go. I don't think anyone's surprised, right? I mean, if you are paying attention, you shouldn't be surprised. This is who the Raiders are. Now, they got an emotional boost after the Gruden thing, okay? And Derek Carr put this team on his shoulders and said, come with me. I'm going to single-handedly win this game. But look at the Raiders from an X's and O's standpoint. Tim, they cannot effectively run the ball. And I had an argument with, with you know, you and Chris Wynn before the season, a, a, a back-and-forth where I said, you know what, Josh Jacobs and Chris Wynn said, no, nah, you know what, I like Jacobs. No, 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 they can't run the ball. They effectively cannot run the ball, number one. They have no pass catchers outside of Waller, and guess what? Let, let's let's just come to a come to a reality moment. Darren Waller's massively overrated, okay, massively, according to the numbers that he has. You can tell me he's double teamed and he's hurt and he's, okay. So, so is George Kittle, and I'm ready to call George Kittle the same thing, okay? Darren Waller is not the guy. They don't have anybody to stretch the field. Now that Ruggs is a moron, they don't have anybody to go deep. So who are you counting on? Edwards and company. And then on the defensive side of things, if Max Crosby doesn't get the pressure and you double or, or triple team him, you could pick the secondary apart all day long. What shocks me is that now you can run on them. Tim, it's completely unraveling, but I'm not shocked. You have a special teams coach taking over. And, and trying to come up with game plans. For a week or two, you could win on emotion in this league. You could win on sheer, all right, well, you know what? Things are in place. And dare I say it, Tim? Oh, watch this. Well, watch the, the phone calls and the tweets we get for this. They were better off with Gruden. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't think it's that outrageous of a statement. You, you might not like him, but this is the effect that it has on the field. They are unprepared, and they are being outcoached. Zach Taylor out coach them today okay the Bengals head coach that i've told you is the only thing holding the Bengals back out coach them today it wasn't it, yeah and you know what the thing was it, last week it was patrick mahomes just shredding the, the secondary part it wasn't like joe burrow went out and threw for 300 yards he, he didn't even throw for 200 he was a buck 49 but joe mixon ran crazy on them and then and the, and the key turnovers Carr had a couple mistakes and then they couldn't move the ball other than the the drive, what was it, in the second half when they pulled closer, they had two back-to-back -back long passes. Other than that, you said it, where, where, where's the offense coming from? And guess what, Tom? 
it gets no easier. They, so they have really short rest now because they play Thanksgiving Day, and they got to go to Dallas, a touchdown underdog to a team in Dallas that can score points as well. Not today, but they can score points. And Dallas is going to be angry. Uh, you know, they're going to be angry, and this is a Dallas defense that let's not overlook the defense and what they're doing. Josh Jacobs led the way today. He only had nine carries for 37 yards. Tim, they can't run the ball. Yeah. They, they, they can't run the ball. And you want to talk about Darren Waller. Oh, he had a great game today, seven for 116. Okay. Um, how much production was that in the grand scheme of things? Because a lot of that production came when they were kind of chasing back, right? There was uh, two weeks ago, Darren Waller, I, I think he had one catch going into the fourth quarter. And he finished off with five or six catches. Those are not exactly uh, the kind of production that you want from a Darren Waller. Go look at what Kel- you, you want to compare him to Kelsey. Everybody wants to compare Darren Waller to Kelsey. At least George Kittle blocks. I mean, he's the, the best blocking tight end in the league, right? But you want to be a Terry Travis Kelsey type. Okay, then where are you when we need you? Where are you all game long? You tell me that he's injured, Tim, right? 7 4 16 is a nice line. It's a nice way. Well, but again, when did that come? Did that come during clutch time? Did that come when they needed him? Was he open? And if, and if it is, and if it is, why is he only getting seven, eight looks a game? If you want to make him that volume receiver, I, I watched Kelsey have 14 looks sometimes, right? We watched this year, Darren Waller on opening day had a, a million looks. So you got it. You have to figure out a way. But I do think it all boils down, and we talked about this in the preseason, this team simply cannot run the ball. They can't. Um, Tim, real quick before uh, we, we go on to the next game, do you want to give this quick update here? UNLV is up by one on Wichita State with two minutes, 14 seconds to go. Um, eight minutes ago on game clock, Tim, UNLV got out to an 11-point lead. That has dissipated, and right now they have a one-point lead uh, with 2.14 to go. Yeah. I already had – I was already reading tweets about um... – how this would be a major upset. Not not really. I think Wichita State's in a rebuild mode after Marshall left. So Wichita State a, was like five point favorites tonight, five and a half point favorites. Yeah. Well, <laughs> major Yeah, major upset. Yeah, and, and by the way, uh the Shockers are at the line right now and uh just tied the game. So <laughs> there we go. As we're talking. Just my thing my thing on the Raiders and, and right here at Lotus there's a Raiders station. So what's the what's tomorrow like? What are all the Raider apologists, or the bandwagoners, the ball washers, whatever you want to call them? What are they saying about this Raider team now at five and five, a three game losing streak? That's exactly what they're saying. Hey, we're five and five. Yeah, that's what they're saying. We're right? still in it. We're still, we're still in, in it. it. Nobody's out of this thing. We're five and five. No problem. Now you know. Now we got to look at the the next part of the season. You know. Now we got to look at uh, you know what do we have coming up. Now we got to go out there and we uh, you have to say. Uh, well, you know what? The, the Dallas Cowboys, they don't look as dominating anymore, right? I mean, now they don't look like that team that is unbeatable anymore. And you start plugging holes. They're kidding themselves. They were kidding themselves when they actually thought that they were, this team was going to do big things this year. You know, all of a sudden they were 3-0 and and they were world beaters. Oh, here we go. Uh, you know, no, you lose three in a row here. And again, it's not that you lost three in a row. It's how you lost you got humiliated by Kansas City. Uh, you know, you lost to a Giants team that can't get out of their own way, and they were missing their oh, every one of their weapons. You know, Barkley was out, Galladay was out. And now you get just destroyed by Cincinnati, who that game is never in question. You have not scored more than 16 points in a month. Because remember, they had the bye week. 
You haven't scored more. You haven't scored more than 16 points since October 24th. Hey, it's a month, guys. You haven't done that. You have no running game. Ready? Here we go. Highest uh, runners um, over since week four. Ready, Tim? Highest rushing runner since week four. Jacobs with 40. Jacobs with 48. Jacobs with 53. Drake, 69. Jacobs, 76. Derek Carr with 18. Jacobs with 37. Yeah. And I look at their schedule, and everyone's like, oh, well, look at their schedule. They're not beating Dallas in Dallas, okay? They're not beating Kansas City in, Cle- in Kansas City. They're not beating Cleveland in Cleveland. They're not beating Indian Indy. So they're not winning any of those four games. Can they beat the Chargers? Pfft, right now, I don't think so. Can they beat Denver? <laughs> Maybe not. Can they beat Washington? I, I don't know. I'm looking at this game, uh, this team, and I'm going, okay, you you might be 5-5, five and five, okay? You're not winning a road game, so you're, you're going at least 5-9. and nine. And, and that means you're under 500, right? So there's no way you're not under 500. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think they lose two or three to Denver, L.A., and Washington. I think they get one win from here on out. And, Tim, wouldn't shock me if they get completely shut out and get zero wins from here on out. You you want to know how the Raider, rest of the Raider season is going to go? Just look at the last two years after Week 10. Uh, it kind of just falls right in line, doesn't it? Well, the one thing that this team does is, and we watched, they, they just – they are a team that needs to throw, and they need to throw all day because they can't run. Dallas will shut down their run again. Washington, as bad as their defense is, shut down their run. Kansas City, look at what they did, right? Kansas City suddenly can stop the run. Cleveland stops the run. Denver's defense up front stops the run. Indy can stop the run. You know, the Chargers are, are the worst run defense in the league, so maybe they got a shot in that on, on January 9th. Over at T-Mobile Arena, Tommy gave you the update. I'll give you a, a, an update as we head to the timeout. Wichita State 72, you know, be 69 with a minute to go at T-Mobile Arena in the Roman main event. Arizona won the tournament. They're going to cover it, Tim. <laughs> yeah, very well way happened. Arizona won this tournament, defeating Michigan earlier tonight. So this is the uh, third-place game, 72-69, one minute to go. When we come back from the timeout, the game will probably be over. We'll update you with that. And look at, of course, the rest of the week 11 of the NFL. Uh, still more to come. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Hour 2, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 99 FM, 1340 AM. We're over there on that there Twitter, at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. And just a quick programming note, as I'd like to throw in there for you. We, of course, we're taking the Thanksgiving holiday off. So we'll be back in two weeks' time. But we will put our free plays up this Saturday for all of you that love to follow the free play. Tom, we're going to jump back into the afternoon matchups. Kansas City, we kind of touched on them a little bit with Dallas. 19-9. So the, the over-under in this game was in the 50s, correct? The two score th- <laughs> 28 points, 19-9. to KC wins it. So, so they're on a little bit of a run, but everything that we wanted to talk about last week with the Chiefs being back and the performance of Mahomes, uh, just kind of stepped back a little bit. Other than that opening drive, right, Tom? They look kind of very just plain again today. Yeah, they look very plain. And, and I, I was just shocked at the game plan by Mike McCarthy. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I shouldn't be shocked at Mike McCarthy just being a bonehead out there, right? Yeah, I talked about it this morning on the air. and I, I said, I'm not sure what the game plan will be. But if you are missing Amari Cooper, 
because of the COVID issues. And you're out there and, you know, Dak isn't 100% back yet. The one thing you can do on Kansas City is you could kind of just pound the rock. And I expected Ezekiel Elliott to have a massive game. I expect Pollard to have a good game. Right away, early in the game, Tim Pollard, was it the first drive or the second drive? Pollard ripped off a 31-yard run. Here we go, boom. And then, and then what? And then they just kind of didn't go back to it. Then they started throwing it all over the place. And it was just throw the ball all day long and let Dak throw the ball all day long. I didn't understand the philosophy. Look, they were down by 10, but that's not enough to just go in that direction to give up the entire running game. You, your Michael Gallup was just coming back from an injury. Amari Cooper it was out of this game. That's a massive impact. C.D. Lamb left the game, and you're still throwing it all day. Why are you not running it with Zeke and Pollard? So, this yeah, I don't want to say that this is a game that Kansas City didn't win. They're streaking a little bit. They look good. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire got a touchdown today. He came back. There were things to like from Kansas City in this game. But my takeaway was Mike McCarthy lost this game way more than Kansas City won it. No Cooper. CeeDee Lamb out. Hit his head on a... On a a pass in the end zone. He left that game as well. And you said it. The game plan should have changed there for Dallas. But <clears throat> I, I look I look more at KC as just an enigma right now. And it's not a good enigma, Tom. It's just they're, they're so up and down and back and forth. It's hard to gauge them because they can look like they did last week against the Raiders. And you said it, a win's a win, right? It's important right now. We're trying to gain playoff situation seeding and everything, but it's really hard to, to watch this team and try to follow them. And they're not they're not the same team from, what did you say last week? Eight of last year, I believe, is where everything uh, kind of changed. And I'm talking about a team that played in the Super Bowl, right, Tom? Well, we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. They had the hangover, it looks like. It's fallen into this year. And their, their bright spots are few and far from their just bad spots, and then today, you know, mediocre. I believe they're, I believe they're they're in a bye week coming up. So we know how Andy Reid works on the team during the bye. I'd like to see how they look the last uh, five or six games of this season. You know, there, there's certain things with Kansas City that you could come away with and be happy about. This, you know, they're starting to kind of get uh, Pringle as that that next guy, and that you need that guy to fill the the Sammy Watkins role. He's starting to sort of develop, but there's still a disconnect there between the offense. It's still not that high flying. There was a point in the game, and I don't know how much you watched the game, Tim, but there was a point in the game where Mahomes came to the line and he had a call an oval and he, he was screaming, cover two, cover two, because everyone's playing cover two on him. Now, the Raiders were stupid last week and only played uh, a single uh, safety high for most of the game, but he started screaming cover two, cover two. Because he, he's recognized it, and he wants everybody to know, look, I'm recognizing it. Well, you know what? It's not always going to be cut and dry like that, right? I mean, it's just not always going to be uh, cut and dry. There are going to be some defenses out there that are going to mask it, and they're going to kind of hide that from Mahomes. And in this spot, in this situation, you look at it, and you say, can he gets a win. You're, you're happy if you're KC with the win. You're content with it. But you still leave there sort of with the problems that you had before time. By the way, quick, uh, should we give this update here in UNLV, Tim? Yep. yep. The Rebels uh, just go down the court. Tremendous defensive stand. Hit the shot. They have a one-point lead with four seconds to go. They inbound the ball, and they foul Tyson Etienne, who is now going to take free throws 
in a 73-72 game that is now 73-73 with three seconds to go. (laughs) The Shockers can end it right here with a defensive stand if he makes this shot. And uh, you look at you look at UNLV. How do you how do you foul in that spot, Tim? How do you foul? That was awful. Isn't that what the coach tells you from Pee Wee Leagues, Tommy? High school, whatever level, don't foul. Well, they got a shot at the last last grasp effort here. They put it up, and they will lose 74-73. Wichita State will be the winner. On a tra- on, on, I almost called him Travis Etienne. And, uh, Tyson Etienne hit both of the foul shots. Just boneheaded basketball. Horrendous boneheaded basketball by UNLV with three seconds to go. They fouled him, guys. They fouled him right after half court. He wasn't even near taking a shot there. I, I mean, he wasn't even looking at the three-point line. They fouled him on the sidelines after half court, and it was a shooting foul. This is just a this is a bad loss for UNLV, Tim. This one hurts. Isn't it amazing just how how terrible, how terrible, whatever sport it is with this university they just have some type of stigma attached to them that oh tim there's a fight on the court afterwards there's everything i need to know man right there's a fight on the court and it's it's not only the players it looks like there's some assistance pushing and shoving i didn't see a i didn't see a punch thrown but i saw a lot of pushing and shoving. oh they are uh unlv is is heated really heated here and and they're 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 pushing Wichita State is running off the, the court. UNLV is it, 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 this is a bad look. This is a bad look Tim. It, this is making UNLV look bad. Uh, Wichita State is kind of walking off uh, with their heads held high you know clapping and, and you know congratulating each other and UNLV is just this is an unraveling right now. The, the, the game losing the game like that was bad enough but now this extracurricular this is making that I, I, I don't care who actually did this and we'll go into it and find out who was the the problem tim but from a visual aspect i'm sitting at home and i'm going yeah unlv this is a this is a unlv problem kevin kruger needs to get a handle of that right now he did that that is not a kruger situation you think lon kruger's teams would play like that I, I this was this was this was rough yeah and at the end of the game you know I, and i'm going back and forth and jose is texting us that it was a you know the refs uh, absolutely not. A completely clean play. The UNLV Rebel uh, number twenty-two. I, I don't. I can't see his name with these these jerseys. Um, fell down, and there, there. It was a clean play. Do not listen and do not believe any of your UNLV radio hosts tomorrow morning that say, "Oh, they got robbed." No, they didn't. You don't foul a guy at half court with three seconds to go. Absolutely yeah. not. That the game was in hand. Don't give me this. Well, they should have called a foul at the end. Absolutely not. It, no, 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 Jose. Sorry. Uh, absolutely not. And and this look of the pushing and shoving and all that at midcourt. This is a, just a bad overall loss. Thankfully, it's on at two a.m. on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so so nobody's going to see it. And guess what, Tim? There's like eight people in the stand, so nobody really saw it there either. I was going to say, you know what? Security should watch for the... Oh, never mind. There's nobody there. So, Sunday night, 9.30 tip-off. I, I don't know what happened with the, the scheduling for that. It's not like it's a holiday. In a meaningless right game. You said it. You know, this, yeah. this has already been determined earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Jose, I know you're listening, brother. Uh, I'm jumping on Tom, Tommy's bandwagon here. That play should have never even happened. 
So and they're re-showing to... the pro the scuffle. It was yeah, it was UNLV that initiated it. And Somebody UNLV needs to be held definitely... accountable, right, Tom? Yeah. 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 And so uh yeah, there you go. First hand first hand analysis from, from Tom Barton at two AM on the on the East Coast. How about that? <laughs> and I, let me just say, it wasn't all UNLV players. A lot of them were very congratulatory um, uh, to ETN and a nice situation. And then uh, things unraveled from there. Yeah, I think he had 29 tonight. He's a, he's a hell of a ball player, though. Uh, Tyler, was it? Tyson, Tyler? Uh, ETN. Tyson, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, hell of yeah, a ball player. He, he, listen, he, he's, we knew he was going to be good. And we knew, you know, it's funny because Wichita State's one of those programs that you sort of follow just because they had past success. And you know Wichita State was going to be a, a pretty decent team this year. And I was doing my reports and look, watching some stuff. And I'm going, man, this kid's pretty good, you know. And, and he's got that, that you know, that it factor sort of that kind of jumps off the page at you. Let's talk about, Tom, let's talk about the, the Arizona Cardinals who found a way to win this game today in Seattle. They moved to 9-2. and two. So we talked about New England's prowess on the road. How about the Cardinals? Six and zero on the road. Six to nine wins on the road, which, you know, the last um, two of the last three wins with Colt McCoy as the quarterback, Tom. No DeAndre Hopkins again this week. And they just they beat Seattle in a tough place to play. Russell Wilson, either A, he's still hurt, or this is the Russell Wilson second-half swoon we've seen in the last few years. Uh, I know that they're they're hurting at the running back position as well, but uh, this was a gritty win for for Arizona because if you looked at who was playing in this game, by all means, Seattle should have won this football game. They were favored. Yeah, you know something's wrong with Russell Wilson. Man, something's wrong with the offense as a whole. They have to run the ball, and Chris Carson's out. They cannot run the ball, but Russell Wilson just airmailing, and it was so bad. Russell Wilson played so poorly today that the announcers more than one time said things like. Well, you know what? He's still coming back from an injury. You know, it's two weeks now, right? I mean, it, it, how long are you still coming back from an injury? If I'm Seattle, Tim, there, there's a piece of me that actually almost sits him down for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a piece of me that says we, we can't destroy his confidence at, moving forward. We have to just let him say, okay, it was a lost year and get back into it. Because Russell Wilson doesn't look bad out there. Russell Wilson looks like a problem. And that's a really tough thing with your franchise quarterback. Forget about the fact that, oh, by the way, in the offseason, he had problems with Pete Carroll, right? Forget about the fact that he wanted out of town as it is. It's unraveling in Seattle, and it's unraveling very quickly. Meanwhile, Arizona, I've said it all along, and I keep bringing it up. I always look at the NFL and quarterbacks as three uh, tiers. You have tier one, top ten. Guys that go out there, they can win the Super Bowl with. You have Tier 2 in the middle, and then you have Tier 3, which is rookies or guys that probably, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, probably on his way out. Uh, Colt McCoy is in that second tier. He's not in that, that you know, top 10. He's not in the bottom 10 either. So I'm not shocked that they're winning. What I'm shocked about is that they're doing this without DeAndre Hopkins, and who they're beating is really interesting, and how they're doing on the road without J.J. Watt. I mean, this is a Cardinals team that we have to start to take serious. Now, I have my doubts, and I mentioned it earlier in the show. I don't believe that this Cardinals team is a Super Bowl champion. I don't believe that at all. But I think that they're legit. I think that they probably are the best team in the NFC right now. 
But come playoff time, I worry about this. Now, you can look at the Kyler Murray situation and say, hey, look, it's a 17-game season. He now gets to sit down again, right? He's been out the last three weeks, so he gets to sit down again here, and he gets a bye week next week. So you look at this and you go, Kyler Murray, oof, he's going to get like a month and a half off. Oh, he's going to be fresh yeah. for, for the playoffs. But I look at it and I go, you know, he is going to be fresh for the playoffs, but he's also going to be a guy that has to restart everything. And he has to kind of get back into the flow. And he's got to get that timing back down. I don't think that happens overnight, Tim. And I wonder, you know, if holding him back was more of a conscious, okay, we want him ready for the playoffs as opposed to really being injured. I don't think he's injured any longer. So I think he's going to come back right after the the bye week. But this could work against you. I don't think it will on the surface because he does have enough time. But you think about it, next week is week 12, right, Tim? So he's not going to come back. So he's got week 13, 14, 15, 16 to get ready. Because even in week 17, what's going to happen for for that? You know, they're not going to really need the game, probably pull back. Can he get himself ready in a three, four game span for this playoff run? I'm not sure that this isn't something that I I could be worried about. If, if, If Kyler Murray, look, if Russell Wilson could come back from an injury, and look as poorly as he did two weeks in a row, Kyla Murray can come back from an injury and look poor as well. It's tough to see Seattle. Everybody talks about the, the, one of the toughest places to play. They're one and four at home this year, Tom. And a lot of, obviously a lot of issues. Look, Carson's out now for the season. Uh, Wilson was out for some time. But it, it, are we getting to that point where, I know you, you probably said this should have happened a couple years ago, but is it time to start looking at Carroll moving on from this organization? Ah, it's a tough question. Look, if you took his age out of this, Tim, uh, you say no. No, he had a down year. It's okay. You know, uh, he's got to build things back up. And But I look at the Seattle organization, I go, what's going to happen in the offseason? They have a lot of questions. Tim, this is a bad defense, right? And they've been bad for a while. This yeah. is not a, a defense that is going to go out there and turn around and uh, just all of a sudden, you know, fix things. No. The only thing they have on this defense is Bobby Wagner. Forget about Jamal Adams, who you know can't cover for anything. But you look at this team and you go, Bobby Bobby Wagner's getting old in the tooth, right? He's kind of going to be on his way out. They don't have young guys to replace it. They haven't had a pass rush in two or three years. Their defensive backs are getting picked on all over the place. And then you look at the offensive side and you go, this is a Pete Carroll uh, led team. He wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You have Metcalf and Lockett. Like, why? welcome to the new league where you should be throwing it all over the place. I don't know if Russell Wilson's even going to be there. You know, I don't know if Russ is going to. So you're looking at the Seattle offseason with questions where is our quarterback going to be there? Is our play philosophy going to be there? Is our defense going to? I, I think that Seattle's in a rebuild, Tim. And I think Seattle is in desperate need of a new ear and a new philosophy. I, I think that they should move on from Cow. They won't. But I, I think you, you start to question that, yeah, maybe they should. One more point on Arizona. The, the Zach Ertz trade starting to pay a little dividends here. We know there were some issues with, with Ertz with, in Philadelphia. So he gets a, a change of scenery, Tom. But now he's become that that guy that they want to use in, in the Kelsey, in the Andrews mold. Zach Ertz, 888, two touchdowns today. Colt McCoy obviously feels comfortable with him, but uh, – he could be a big piece for them down the stretch, obviously. Yeah, you know, look, 
you got to you got to really just ask yourself, you know, how far can this team go? They're in that spot now. You know, where, where what is their direction? How far can they go? What do you think, Tim? Where, where do you see it? Oh, I, I you got to you got to win in the playoffs. Number one, you, and they don't have experience doing that. That's I don't my see problem, them, right? Yeah, I don't I don't see them beating the Rams, although they did. <laughs> I don't see them beating. Dallas is another one. That would be interesting because somebody would have to win that game. But I can't see him beating the Packers in the playoffs on the road. Well, they would be on the road, right? But I still think it's a bad matchup. And we even talked about Minnesota. I don't like that matchup either for Arizona. It's, and if it gets into a, a low-scoring game, Tom, I don't, I don't think they're capable of winning those type of football games. The question that you got to start asking yourself, right? Um, and this is where... I know our, our loyal listener, Fernando, is probably pulling his hair out and throwing things at the radio right now. But you got to ask yourself, come playoff time, Tim, do you trust James Conner running the ball? He's no. looked good, but I don't. No. Right? Do you trust, come playoff time, Cliff Kingsbury can outcoach Sean McVay? Can, out, you know, can, can turn around and outcoach Bruce Arians? Can turn around and, and outcoach even a Matt LaFleur? No. I believe no. in Kyler Murray. I somewhat believe in uh, the, the talent overall on the offense. I don't believe in Kingsbury. I don't believe in their running game. And I'm starting to uh, come around to maybe their defense is better than I gave them credit for. But I don't really trust their defense either. You know, So like you said, you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to beat any number of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. <laughs> you know, I, I don't see them getting by. Maybe one. But I don't see you getting by a combination of them. By week, like you said, comes at a good time for Arizona. How about the next opponent, though, when you, when you talk about a team that last year uh, wins a division, Tom, behind Ron Rivera coming off the, the, the health situation. And, uh, again, starting to – pieces starting to, I think, in the last few weeks come together a little bit for Washington. They go into Carolina today and win a 27-21. This was a really good football game to watch. I know two teams under 500 don't see it in the way, but it was, a, it was a fun game to watch, and you kind of saw what I think you saw at the beginning of the year with Washington and Gibson being involved and McLaurin being involved. And Heike, not, not a bad quarterback. We know that from last year. He, he had time today, and this was a nice win for Washington. I don't know what happened with this defense early on, you know, but the, the offense, they just had some issues. When Ryan Fitzpatrick was announced out for the year, you know, I made a, a, a mention, and I said, this might be good for them. And people I, you know, wrote me, and they wrote me over, over at Tom Barton Sports, what are you talking about, good for them? Because Taylor Heineke knows that he's a backup quarterback, right? And he knows that my time is limited. And he was looking over his shoulder at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Then he's out for the year, and you go, all right, here you go. Here's the keys to the car. Now do your thing. And he's playing, uh, obviously not even nearly as talented, but he, but he plays that Brett Favre type of game where He's out of control, and he takes shots, and he's gunslinger, and he's going crazy. And that's what Taylor Heineke plays. But he got away from a lot of that during the year. You also have to take into account that Antonio Gibson is the playmaker on this team. He's been injured the entire year. Curtis Samuel was supposed to be the second playmaker. He's been injured. Thomas, the tight end, was the security blanket. He's been injured, right? So, I mean, they have not been completely healthy. I'm just shocked that their defense has been playing so well without Chase Young. But I also think that that game today was a product of, look, Cam Newton is just overrated. Look, the conversation is fun. The story is entertaining. Cam's going to do his stupid Superman thing, which he did again today. 
uh, in a loss. <laughs> right? I mean, that's it. What, what do we know about Cam Newton? That is what it is. Cam Newton is a fun player. He's an energetic player. He's a guy that the fans love. He's just not a winner. And that is what he's been his entire career. I was not shocked to see Washington win on the road because if you give me a revenge spot and it's either, oh, Cam Newton return or Ron Rivera going back to Carolina, I looked at it, the Ron Rivera show. I'm going, man, you know, I, I vastly, vastly respect Ron Rivera. And I go, yeah, look, I, I thought that he was going to go in there and be able to handle his business. I like Matt Rule. And I understand why they went out there and they, they got Cam and what he's doing for that team. But it's more of a conversation piece and an excitement level than it is an on-the-field product. Yeah, I think when you saw the injuries to that receiving core early in the year, put them behind an eight ball, then they, then they lose Darnold, which, which Darnold was kind of in a tailspin situation at that time anyways, Tommy. But yeah, McCaffrey back. It looks like Morris was playing better. I just don't. I just, it's, it's for a great start that Carolina had. I think this is the more the real Carolina Panther team, regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah. Well, that, look, I think that Carolina knows they took a shot on Sam Darnold. They know that go get our quarterback, and everything else will fall into place. Mm-hmm. So for Washington, they get Monday night, an extra day off. And they are at home against that Seattle team we just talked about. Seattle, actually, Tom, a favorite here, two points. Can't take Seattle as a favorite. You just can't. You can't go near Seattle as a favorite. I don't. Russell Wilson. What is giving you any kind of any kind of faith that Russell Wilson is anything more right now uh, than than just a broken quarterback? I mean, he's still injured, or if he's not injured, he's lost something. I I don't. I can't imagine on the road this guy's just going to turn it on and be okay. Next up for the Panthers, they will be on the road against the Dolphins. Tom, this game is a pick The Dolphins now winners of three in a row, including a winner over at TomBartonSports.com today as they knocked off the Jets. Yeah, look, I mean, it was an ugly game. It was a bad game, but the Jets are just that bad right now. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, what do you say about, about Miami? It, it, it's another win. Right. Um, I called this morning. I said, Flores loses this game. He, he's got to be fired. And you know how I like Flores. They got to win. A win is a win. Um, the bigger question is the Jets organization. Why are they starting Joe Flacco? Uh, what does that do for you as an organization? And at the end of the day, what does that do for you at all? Um, I, I mean, I look at this team and I go, you've always been just a poorly run organization. And then they go out and get Robert Sala. I'm in a position, Tim, and I, I didn't expect much from Robert Sala. I think he's done the worst, one of the worst jobs in the NFL this year. You look at the Lions, I think Campbell's done a good job. You know, I look at the worst teams in the league, and I go, yeah, you've done a good job. All right, you know what? You're dealing with what you have to work with. Urban Meyer, hey, you beat the Bills, man, you know? And and, and you won you know, you know, won in Miami on, on a trip to England. All right, you were playing close against the Colts. Like, I don't have a problem with bad coaches in bad spots. I get it. Robert Sal is a defensive guy. Coming into the game today, the Jets have allowed 45 points for the last month for four straight games. That's a Robert Sala problem. And you can tell me about Mike White and Wilson and Flacco, and yeah, the offense looks bad. And the offense isn't doing the defense any, any justice. But who's got a better roster right now, the Jets or the Lions? I think the, I think the Jets do, right? Mm-hmm. I think they have a, a better roster. And 
well, the Lions are playing close games. That speaks to coaching. So when I go back and I go, all right, how did Robert Sala do? He's a defensive guy. His defense has been horrendous over the last month. His team is getting worse as the season goes on. And he decided what was best for his franchise moving forward was to start Joe Flacco today. I, I, I didn't understand it, Tim. But then again, I'm often shaking my head and scratching my head about moves that the New York Jets make. They're looking at that top two pick right there, Tom. That's that's what, that's what it sounds like to me, man. Yeah, look. <laughs> the, 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 the good thing for the Jets um, is if Seattle keeps falling like this, the New York Jets could get two top five picks because of they get the Seattle pick like you just said. Yeah. All right. How about the Eagles? So I know, I know you're weren't a believer. I don't even know if you still aren't a believer. They won four of five within five and six. Put up 30 last week, 40 this week. Uh, they're quietly crawling into that playoff chase. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's, I, I mean, what what can you say about this? It's so flawed. It's so massively flawed. It, it is yeah. bad on all levels, Tim. But they're right there. But they're right there. You know, Jalen Hurts is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not. But you know what? What does he do? Oh, he gives you a lot of fantasy points. And he, in the fourth quarter, he pads his stats. And, oh, he's coming around. You know, last week, people was going, oh, already a best game that we've seen. He completed like 16 passes for 178 yards, uh, two touchdowns and one interception. People go, ah, oh, that was a good game from him. You know. This has now become that running team, and that's what they want to do. They want to establish things on the run. It's a nice win, Tim, but I question uh, so much about Philly. Philly is that team that you hope doesn't get into the playoffs as a fan because they're going to get squashed. But as a, a sports handicapper, I'm going, yeah, get Philly in because I'm going against them no matter who they take up. Could you imagine a playoff game, Tim, first-round playoff game where you know Tom Brady takes on Philly? in Tampa or, or, you know, Dallas takes on Philly or, you, you know, Green Bay takes on Philly up in Lambo. I mean, come on, come on. I don't even think they're going to make the playoffs, but yeah, I, I follow, I follow what you're saying. Yeah, that, but that's the thing, you know, if you're Philly, what, what is this team? This is another coach. You know what? I, he's done a better job than Robert Sala, but this is another coach. This is another coach that Philly fans are watching and they're going, wow, you know what? Our team has a shot at the playoffs, and all you hear out of Philly radio, and all you see on, on you know Philadelphia Twitter, and all you all you see from people going, yeah, we got to fire the coach. <laughs> you know, we, we this is a bad team. We got to fire the GM. That they, they are, they are massively flawed, but their record says differently. It reminds me of the Denver Broncos early in the season, and early in the season, the Denver Broncos got off to a huge start. And it was obvious what their flaws were. It was obvious it was not going to continue. It was obvious that this thing is going to go south. And to the people that realized it, all right, good. We all made a little bit of money and we saw this coming. It's the same thing with the Raiders, right? I mean, we all knew that the Raiders' fall was coming. And people are seemingly shocked. Well, it's the same thing with Philly. Philly is not as good as its record. Philly has major problems. But if you're looking from the outside in, you might say, you know what? Philly's okay. And we touched on this at the top of the show. The Chargers 41-37 win tonight at home on Sunday night football. 41 points scored by both teams in the fourth quarter, including the end. Just craziness both ways as the Steelers came back. 
to take the lead, Tom, 37-34, after being down 14, only to give up a 53-yard touchdown pass from Justin Herbert to Mike Williams. Uh, Eckler, four touchdowns today for San, uh, L.A. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to call him San Diego because I'll never get over it. But this was a, a game that if it was the Chargers of old, right, Tom, they find a way to lose. And they almost did it, but they, they got the win tonight. I think the Chargers have the most upside of any team that no one's just seemingly talking about. Justin Herbert's still going through his growing pains, but remember in the beginning of the year, oh, Justin Herbert, he's the next great one, you know, and then he kind of fell off. He's coming back. He's readjusting now, which you, you, you tend to like. They do, they have an okay running game, but they really work effectively with Eckler out of the backfield, so that provides them for a running game. If Mike Williams is healthy, he gives them that one-two punch. You can't cover Allen, double-team him, because now Mike Williams you have available. And then on the defense, and by the way, their left tackle, that rookie left tackle, this guy is unbelievable. Nobody touches Justin Herbert. Nobody, nobody goes near him. He's fantastic. And then the defensive side has been a little disappointing, but Bosa is a talent, and James is a talent. I think that if they're able to stop that, just the sieve of a running game, and they are the, the worst running defense in the NFL by 20-plus yards on average per game. Tim, that's a horrendous number. If they can pull that in a little bit, and just be middle of the road defensively against the run, all of a sudden the Chargers can do big things. But you cannot convince me that this team has a bright future. And I don't care how good their offense is, Tim. If you are the worst rushing defense in the NFL and you are looking at historic numbers to be the worst defense rushing in the NFL, you can't win in the playoffs. Yeah. Next week, let's take a look at both teams here. Pittsburgh, divisional matchup, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. The Bengals a four-point favorite. Uh, you know, again, this is uh, who's coming back. We know Watt's not coming back. Is, is Minka Fitzpatrick going to be back for this one? Is Joe Hayden going to be back for this one? Um, I think people will overreact to how good Pittsburgh look and forget about how good the Bengals could look. Traditionally, Pittsburgh owns this. Uh, Pittsburgh is way better coached. Uh, I think Taylor is out of his element there in Cincinnati. Um, this is this is a tough one. I, I do believe that you could always get over injuries for a week or two and then things start to kind of uh, just leak back and all of a sudden you start to feel it. This might be that game where Cincinnati kind of comes to play and you start to feel the loss of Watt, start to feel the loss of Fitzpatrick. If Fitzpatrick plays, I, I, might, I might say, you know what, I'll go the other way. But if Fitzpatrick and Hayden are out and we know Watt is out, just too much to get over on the defensive side. And also divisional matchups, so the Chargers will hit the road to the Maha City to take on the Broncos. Opening line, San, Di San Diego, <laughs> minus one and a half, Tom. Well, here you go. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon could have a field day here and just run it all day because the Chargers can't stop anyone. Uh, but again, what did I just say about the injuries? You know, Denver has been getting by with uh, smoke and mirrors on defense, right? They lost Spawn Miller. Chubb's been banged up. They've been missing guys. Is this the week that all of a sudden, you know, you turn around and, and that defense just can't stop anybody? If I'm Denver, you know, they have a lot of offensive weapons. I think I got to lean Denver here because, again, I think the overreaction is going to be that San Diego slash Los Angeles or San Angeles, you know, they're back. Yeah. And I think they're going to be a little overvalued. This should be a pick'em game. And it's a spot where maybe you could get a little value. A lot of people remember that 
the Broncos limped into the bye week, Tom, with Philadelphia just eating them up through the secondary, and, and maybe there's some, as you said, overvalue on the Chargers coming in because you would, you would assume things like that would happen, but the Broncos are coming off of a bye. But the, you, you do have the aspect, though, Tim, of the greatest covering quarterback in the history of underdogs, Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. right? I mean, that, that's what he does. I mean, when, his when, entire career, right? When he's a dog, it's it's a bet on, right? It, it is an unbelievable number, guys. I don't have the number in front of me. But, it is. I, I mean, you're talking about like 80% cover rate. The guy is simply the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL at covering as an underdog. He's amazing. So you give me points, I'm going Teddy Bridgewater. Let's take the final time out of the evening when we come back. We'll preview tomorrow night's Monday night matchup. We'll go through the three Turkey Day games once more, and then we're going to talk a little baseball with the Major League Baseball Free Agency, the MVP, and could there be a possible work stoppage? We'll get all that in as we round down here to a, a Monday morning here in Las Vegas and it is Monday morning there for Tom in New York. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Week 11 of the NFL will conclude tomorrow night with Monday Night Football. The Giants at Tampa Bay. Tom Tampa in a two-game losing streak, and they have that Double digits you love there. 11-point favorites tomorrow night. Yeah, look, you know, I, normally I would have been all over the Giants here. Daniel Jones is just a cover machine. This is a spot where the Giants are getting healthy. Galladay is off the injured list. Tony's off the injured list. I expect Saquon Barkley to suit up. Uh, this is a perfect spot to get big points where everybody just uh, is looking at Tampa Bay. But you know what? Tampa Bay lost last week. And they're coming off of a loss. And it's Monday night. Tom Brady's 0-11 against the spread his last 11 primetime games. You don't think Tom Brady reads that? You don't think Tom Brady knows that? He's 0-11, right? You don't think that Tom Brady's in a position where he's going, yeah, I want to light this team up. It's also the Giants, which makes him kind of squint his eyes a little bit a little bit more and kind of takes a, a quicker look and says, yeah, I want to beat this Giants team a little bit more. I'm leaning the Giants here, Tim, with the points. But I, I just wish that Tampa Bay would have won last week, and then I would have loaded up on the Giants. Because they lost, I almost have to pull off. So let's look at the three games on Thursday. I know we kind of touched on them a little bit as the show went on, but we'll centralize it down to the, the morning game. Your Bears in Detroit to take on the winless Detroit Lions and the Bears. We don't know. It looks like Dalton probably get the go, Tom, here. We don't know the defensive situation with the starters the Bears still a three and a half point favorite yeah I think you have to look at this game and, and you have to go with the Bears um you know the, the Lions quarterback to it's just terrible so whether it be Dalton or it, it's Fields no matter who it is it, it doesn't really matter does it I mean this is all on what can the Lions get done and what can the Lions you know turn around and, and become in this spot and the Lions are going to play the game tough. They're going to play everything tight. We don't know who's going to be out for the Bears, but the Bears have to be the favorite here. My thing is, again, at this point, Campbell's a better coach. At this point, Nagy is on his way out. But that whole idea that maybe Matt Nagy is in a position where maybe 
uh, he thinks that his job is going to be lost. Don't you think that he's got to kind of pick this up and win? Game two will be in Dallas, the Raiders and the Cowboys. Tom, the Cowboys, seven-point favorite. Yeah, again, Cowboys should bounce back. The Raiders are, are just a bad defensive team right now. The Raiders can't stop anybody right now. Where it currently sits, the Raiders, you can't bet on the Raiders at all. And they, they again, cannot run the ball. I expect a big defensive effort. Everyone's going to be looking to the, the bounce back here. And, oh, wait a minute, watch what's going to happen and watch how great you know the, the offense is going to be and they're going to score all over. I'm looking for a good defensive effort here from the Cowboys who, look, they need it. They need to get after, uh, you know, Derek Carr and just kind of push him around and dare them to run the ball. You can't. We just went over the numbers. They cannot run the ball. You got to go with the Cowboys. And the nightcap after everybody takes a nap. Buffalo, New Orleans, in New Orleans. The Bills, four and a half. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are certain things that, that we do know, Tim, right? And what we know uh, just unequivocally is that Sean Payton is an amazing amazing coach as an underdog this year this team just covers um four and one against the spread as an underdog 12 and three the last 15 as an underdog sean payton is 20 games over 500 as an underdog and he's at home as an underdog with all that said i just can't bring myself to get off of a team that i think can still win the super bowl now like i, I said at the beginning of the show tim if they lose this game i have to change my assessment but i don't have to change my assessment quite yet so right now, I still think that the Bills are a Super Bowl team, and they're going to be going up against Trevor Simeon. That that's the biggest thing for me is it's it's Trevor Simeon, not Taysom Hill. Still, uh, I, I don't know what Sean Payton needs to see other than uh, look. I guess today it was the defense's fault as well, but there's a lot of problems there. As Sh I'll ask you the same question: Has Sean Payton does he have to be worried about his job? No, not at all. Absolutely not. You know, he, he got dealt a bad hand. Drew Brees left. Winston then went down. He's on his third string quarterback, which is actually his fourth string because you got to figure he wishes Hill was in there, right? So, you know, I mean, this guy is literally, uh, I think we all knew that James Winston wasn't supposed to be a starter, okay? So he was going into the season with a backup. Then he got Trevor Simeon, okay? So he's the backup to the backup. But he really wanted Hill, which is the backup to the back. He, he's dealing with a fourth string running, uh, fourth string quarterback. He's dealing without Alvin Kamara, second-string running back. He's dealing uh, without Michael Thomas, his number one wide receiver. None of this is Sean Payton's fault. He, he's kind of untouchable, isn't he, in that city? Yeah, I mean, I, I, he, he should be, <laughs> right? I mean, he, he certainly should be. I wonder if, um, you know, I wonder if he's in a spot where he kind of, I want to say he gets bored. And he wants out of town because of that. I, I wonder if he's looking to go somewhere else as opposed to them getting rid of him. We'll see. We'll see. How, you know, it's going to be an interesting Thursday games. Of course, college games Friday, Thursday or Friday, Saturday, and then the NFL Sunday. Uh, Tom, you ready to talk a little baseball, though, to close this out? Yeah, let's get it done. All right. Let's start with the awards. Otani and Harper. I called that one. Uh, granted, though, at the end of the season, I thought Vlad probably should have gotten that award, Tommy. And I think we all knew that Otani was going to win it, but unanimously, really? Well, you know, 
I don't want to sound like the Otani hater because two years ago, you know this, Tim, you know, uh, two years ago, I actually had him win the MVP before anybody was on top. I, 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 I like Otani, but I'm going to be the anti-Otani guy right now. Vladimir Guerrero deserved the MVP. Uh, flat out, the end. I, I don't want to hear, well, he pitched and he hit. Well, that's great, but he was also a, a DH, okay? So, again, you look at this and you go, as a pitcher, he did something remarkable. He did something historic. He also batted 260, Tim. He also faded down the stretch. His team was also never in contention. So you have a guy never in contention, never in a big spot. He, he faded down the stretch, hitting massively after the All-Star game. I, I mean, he fell off the map. And Otani was a guy that it wasn't like, well, he's going out there and he's playing, you know, uh, great defensively. No. If somebody goes out there and they play pretty good defensively, uh, well, doesn't that mean that they're doing a lot of what a pitcher can do? Oh, no, but it's unique and it's new. Sorry. Vladimir Guerrero didn't get the triple crown. If Vladimir Guerrero did, I'd be screaming at the top of my lungs. Look, I'm okay with Otani getting it because I've had three months to kind of just deal with it. But that's the problem. I think people just assumed in August, you know, in early August, not even in July. All right, it's Otani's. We don't have to pay attention anymore. I would have given it to Vlad. Vlad had his team in contention. Vlad was the better hitter. Vlad was more important to his team than a guy that basically his team did nothing. So I would have given it to Vlad, but I'm not upset that Otani got. No, I look. I'm an Angels fan. I, I loved. I loved what the season he had up until the second half. Uh, late in the second half, we we started looking at this. I, I want to say right around August, it was like, look, Vlad's trending triple crown numbers Vlad's on a team that I guess at the time the Angels were technically still considered in it but as that faded there was the last hope of it because you said it we're all the the key what what do you look at for an MVP right statistically great and keeps his team involved you know playoff they were all in you know Toronto should probably should never been there and they were there And, and I think I truly think Vlad got robbed being an Otani fan this was a, this was straight goodwill, good for the game relations, which, which Japan. That's all I look at it as. It was a great story, and they weren't gonna uh, chance it by having an asterisk next to it because he didn't win the MVP. He won this, like you said, All Star break. It was done. Yeah, it, it was officially over at that point, and I can't blame anybody. I really can't. Yeah, you know, if you're, again, if you're a writer, you don't want to be the guy on the other side of history, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't want to be that guy, that is the sole person that doesn't vote for Otani. You don't want to be named that. And that that's what they were looking at. There was a lot of um, uh-oh going on with, with what they were doing because they knew, they had to know, all right, you know, if, if I'm the guy that votes against Otani, it's going to come out that I voted against Otani and the, the historic season that we're going to be talking about in 25 years from now. So I think a lot of the pressure got to them as well. But the sigh, Robbie Ray... Burns from Milwaukee to, um, I wouldn't say unknown pitchers, Tommy, but definitely not top-tier names when you're looking at stars in Major League Baseball. I, th- I thought that was nice that we saw two guys like that win these awards. I, I think Robbie Ray shouldn't have won it. I, I don't think he deserved it at all. Um, Robbie Ray, the reason why Robbie Ray won this award was because everybody said Garrett Cole faded down the stretch. Well, so did Robbie Ray. In their biggest game that they needed him, Robbie Ray you know, threw up a clunker. So, to me, over the course of the season, 
I'm going to give it to Garrett Cole, who got his team there. Forget about what he did in the playoffs, guys, right? This is not a playoff award. This is a what did you do during the season award. And you start to break down what did Garrett Cole do. Garrett Cole was better all year long than Robbie Ray. Garrett Cole meant more to his team than Robbie Ray. And you look at, at Garrett Cole and you look at you know his numbers that he wound up putting up. You know, 30 starts, 16 wins, um, 243 strikeouts, 1.06 ERA and a 2.23 uh, uh, ERA. You, you look at what he did. And then you go look at like the game log and where he is. Okay, so down the stretch when, you know, the Yankees really needed him because they were in a playoff contention, okay? Down the stretch, Tim, we'll, we'll, we'll sit back and you go, all right, look, he had a bad start against Toronto, bad start against Cleveland. But against Boston, he looked good. Against Baltimore, he looked good. Against Toronto, before that, he looked good. So down the stretch, he had two bad games. But, Tim, in August, right? Uh, Minnesota shut him out. Oakland shut him out. One run against the Angels, two run against Toronto, one run against Baltimore. That's that August run that put the Yankees in the playoffs. He had two bad games, one against Cleveland, one the last day basically against Toronto. Robbie Ray, let's take a look at what Robbie Ray did because it wasn't all just beautiful for Robbie Ray. And I think people are making it out to, to sit back and go, yeah, you know, he was there. Look, Robbie Ray had less wins. I know nobody cares about wins, but he did. Robbie Ray had about the same amount of whip, basically the same amount of Ks, a slightly smaller ERA. But now let's look at, at why did Garrett Cole lose this? Because he wasn't good during the stretch. Well, listen, the last game of the season, Robbie Ray gave up five runs to this Yankees team. He also didn't last to the fifth on the third game of the season, third to last game of the season, Tim, when Toronto needed him against a first place team. He didn't last past 4.2 innings. Gave up three runs, right? Uh, what about against Baltimore? Two starts before that. He went only four innings and gave up three runs. So if you want to talk about Garrett Cole and the fade that Garrett Cole had, yeah, maybe it, because they left him in there, his numbers look a little skewed. But Robbie Ray went five innings against the Yankees, gave up five runs, 4.2 innings and gave up three runs against Tampa Bay, four innings against Baltimore and gave up three runs. And that's three of his last five starts. So, you know, I, I have a problem with that because if you're going to use the criteria that Garrett Cole faded down the stretch, then you need to use the criteria that Robbie Ray faded down the stretch. Yeah. They 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 want to highlight basically his September, right, where Cole had an ERA over six is why he lost it. But um, you said it before that he was money, absolute money. Uh, you know, again, one team actually got into the playoffs. One team did. Right. That that again, back to the Vlad situation. So you're right. I believe you know in player awards in Major League Baseball, yeah, there's always going to have kind of those those debates. And if it's undeniable, okay, fine, go with the guy that the team didn't make it. But if it's a question of all right, this is real close. This is really tight. I'm going with the team that actually did something, with the guy that's team actually succeeded, as opposed to the guy that was sitting home watching. And we're going to see a lot of names start to, to fall off this free agent list, Tom, as, as the winter progresses, but a couple big ones already, and, and most notably, yeah, look, Thor Syndergaard's coming to the West Coast. He's coming to Orange County. Signs a twenty-plus million-dollar one-year deal with the Angels. Didn't want to be back with the Mets. He took it for less than three million dollars left. 
Uh, the Mets never went back to him. This is one of those spots. I just wrote an article um, here, you know, in New York for this, for the newspaper here. And uh, it's one of those spots where the Mets are better off without him and the Angels are better with him. And yeah, that can that can absolutely happen. You know, the New York Mets are better off without him. Kind of turn the page on, on, on him, move on, get some new blood, get somebody else different in here. Uh, and, and I think that the Angels needed to take the shot on the upside. I think they needed to take a stab at what he might be. You know, and what he potentially can be, and that's to me. This is one of those rare cases where I know that there's, there's all of a sudden there's bad blood, and uh, Francesca is getting into it with Syndergaard, and you know all this, and everyone's going crazy. I, I, I get it. I, he's he's a lightning rod. For the Mets side, you go, guy hasn't been good in two years, and really he's never he's had like one good season in his career, right? Hasn't pitched well. Um, it, get him out of town. I'm not paying him twenty million dollars. But if you're the Angels, you're going. Hey, we'll take a stab that this guy might be the ace of our staff. You know, there are times where a departure could make both teams better. And I think his departure makes both teams better. I think from the Angels standpoint, at least the way I look at it, too, is you said you said it for three years now. You're wasting away Mike Trout's prime years. Now you're wasting away Otani. And what's going to help you get there? you got to sign. Some, somebody's got to sign there, right, Tom? Because maybe... Thor going there brings another pitcher into the fold as well. And now all of a sudden you go from a team with middling starting pitching to having a one, a, a two, and a three now. And that, in today's day and age, completely changes everything. And for, for an investment of what they're paying, and I know writers were going crazy about this, it's not like they haven't spent money, more money on guys and longer-term deals. You're right. This is a, basically a, a, it's a no-loss no, no situation for Anaheim. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does, it could open doors for them. If it doesn't work, you're in the same spot you were this year. If it does work, they could they could sign him to a long term deal in June, in yeah. July. You know what I mean? They could turn around and say, "Okay, we've seen enough. You are healthy, and let's move you on." Um, I look at the Angels going into next season. I go, one of the more dynamic lineups, maybe the most dynamic lineup in all of baseball. When you think about Rendon coming back, people forget about him. It's only a couple years removed from an MVP, right? Rendon coming back, Trout in the middle, Otani there, Walsh is big. They have Joe Adele coming up. I mean, this is a dynamic lineup. And the back end of their bullpen, Tim, it's fixed. Inglacius is the guy, right? So they have the back end of the bullpen. They even have some depth. You're okay with their three, four, five guys. They don't have an ace. And you can't go buy an ace right now. Syndergaard, he's got the potential to be that. I don't think he becomes it, Tim, but he's got the potential to be it. I think it's a great signing. I love it. I think the change of scenery, uh, less pressure on him. And, you know, he's already welcomed himself with the the fan base. I think he's doing all the right things, and maybe he'll be happy. I don't think he was happy in New York, Tom, and and sometimes that that weighs on on your ability to pitch. A lot of guys have become cult heroes for the New York Mets, uh, you know, kind of fizzle out. You remember Matt Harvey? You know, it's hard to keep that allure up. Uh, you have to be a Jacob deGrom type. No, nobody knows where Jacob deGrom's going. No, Jacob deGrom's not going to hang out at the China Club and, uh, you know, partying it up. No, 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 no. You, you don't even know anything about Jacob deGrom. That's why he's successful. The guys that are out there, the Thor, and uh, you have a nickname, and the Dark Knight, and all these. Uh, the, yeah, these are the guys that fizzle out. Uh, Rodriguez goes to the uh, Tigers from the Red Sox. He got $77 million. Barrios, 131 He signed a nice long term there with the Jays. And Justin Verlander, Tom, one year, $25 million back with the Strohs. 
all very smart. Look, the Yankees offered uh, Verlander one year, $25 million, but they weren't going to match the two years that the Astros gave him with an opt-out. So that's a good reunion. I, I don't like it, <laughs> which makes it a good reunion, right? Uh, Berrios, it's hardly, you're hardly ever going to get a young kid with the upside of Berrios and be able to kind of retain him. Great signing, great trade for them, and a great signing. And, and the Tigers, I know Chris Wynn is kind of chuckling a little bit, but what a rotation they suddenly have. And this is, to me, this is a wide-open uh, division for the number two spot. Uh, look, number one, you know, I, I think we know the White Sox are going to win that, but can you beat Minnesota? Can you beat Kansas City with this rotation? Yeah, I mean, we might be talking about, can you beat Cleveland? Yeah, I, I think so. We might be talking about the Detroit Tigers. If everything comes together and their young guys come up, can the Tigers be a second-place team next year? I like what they're doing. I like the moves they're making. And, you know, for me, this is that underrated team that you go, no one's going to be talking about. I can't wait till their team win total comes out, Tim, because I'm going to pound the over. Well, Tommy, the holiday week doesn't mean you stop working at all. Tell us about the website. Tell us about the podcast. You're still cranking them out. As a matter of fact, I just uh, we just got to a, a secondary podcast, so that'll be launching soon as well. We got a brand new one. But guys, go check it out at Sports Garden Network. But check out TomBartonSports.com. Absolutely crushing it this month. Already 6-0 in the NBA as well, Tim, in college basketball. Tomorrow, I have two games that are involving Ivy League teams. I am the best Ivy League handicapper in America for 10 years. Don't have to take my word for it. Sportsbook directors have told me that on the air. So go check it out at TomBartonSports.com. And guys, I'm getting my YouTube channel up. Apparently people want to see my pretty face. <laughs> but go check it out. It's Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. And you got to press that, press that subscribe button. I, I got to get subscribers. I'm up over 300 in just a, a week and a half here. So I want to get to like 1,000 maybe uh, by Christmas. So just, just press that subscribe. It'll only take you a minute and check out the videos. That is Tom Barton Sports. Tom, I wish you a great holiday. I will surely be texting you throughout the week as we uh, we talk all the time. But have have that special time with the family and enjoy the weekend, next weekend off, as we will be back in two weeks. All right, everybody, enjoy Turkey Day. Eat lots of turkey. Watch football. It's, it's, it's a, a day that all of us love that. It's one of those great holidays. Have yes. a good one, everybody. Brian, hit that music. We are out of here. Have, I want everybody here to listening we appreciate you as always have a great thanksgiving have a great thanksgiving weekend we'll talk to you again early december a couple weeks away but check out the the twitter at hw sports at tom barton sports as we will have our free plays up saturday night for week 12 in the nfl for brian happy thanksgiving to you as well for tommy tim Ungles, we have a great sports week and again, happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you in two weeks' time. It's Heatwave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.